Hi there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Franci, and I'm the CEO of the Real Estate Investment Network. In addition to being a business owner, I'm also a real estate investor, I'm a coach, I'm a husband, I'm a very proud grandfather. And along with that, I'm also committed to stretching beyond what I've already achieved and of living a fulfilled life by continuing to make a positive difference in the world. I invite you to join me to listen in on the Everyday Millionaire podcast as I interview and have conversations with seemingly ordinary individuals who have achieved some pretty extraordinary results, whether it be in their life, in their business, in real estate. And it's here where I'm going to delve into the details of their journey, along with the paths they've traveled to get where they are today, and as importantly, where they intend to go in the future. My guests are here to inspire. They're here to help you learn by talking about what's real for them, both in their wins and in their challenges, from the life and the lifestyle they live to the person they had to become along the way in creating and building their financial futures for themselves and their families. Before I begin this episode, I'll start by first thanking you for listening in and for your support and the feedback you provide us on the show, as well as to ask you to please continue to send your comments, your suggestions, or your questions directly to me at CEO at RainCanada.com. That is CEO at R-E-I-N-Canada.com. And if you're inclined, please share this podcast with your friends, your family, and with people you know, or perhaps even people you don't know. Rate the show and comment on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you happen to use to listen in. And while you're at it, please follow me on the Everyday Millionaire Facebook page. So thanks again for the feedback you provide us. It's definitely appreciated. Okay, let's get on with this show and have a conversation with today's guest. Patrick and Maddie Gergen are the founders of their business, American Multifamily Alliance Group, LLC, and Bella Vista Management LP, overseeing several multifamily properties in the United States. They are a true power couple, and over the past three decades, Patrick and Maddie have achieved amazing success within the real estate industry. Together, they have an extensive background and expertise in all aspects of multifamily acquisition, ranging from negotiations and property analysis analysis to takeover, stabilization, and most importantly, value add of commercial and residential properties. Patrick and Maddie are currently focused on takeovers of B and C class multifamily assets in Texas, and they have an extensive and proven track record of restructuring and rebranding real estate projects with financial acumen, persistence, attention to detail, and the best of all, social conscience. Maddie, who also oversees operations of Bella Vista Management, she is passionate about creating a positive social impact in the lives of the residents living in American multifamily alliance group communities. And she does this through initiatives, including organizing free after school programs, meal programs, tutoring, regular monthly community events, sports programs, parenting classes, and youth at risk programs. Additionally, they focus on sustainability, teaching her teams and residents about the importance of making a positive environmental impact through recycling, composting, planting community gardens, and installing energy-saving devices in all of their units. I have to say, folks, this was an absolute pleasure in having this conversation with Patrick and Maddie. The innovation in what they're doing, the social conscience is very, very cool and interesting conversation. Let's get this show started. 
Maddie and Patrick Gergen. Two of you, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. I'm excited to uh, have this conversation. I've got two guests here, ladies and gentlemen. As I said, Maddie and Patrick Gergen, welcome. Thank you, Patrick. We're excited to to be here, and thank you for inviting us on the show. Well, listen, I'm I'm excited to catch up because you know it's been a while, Maddie. In your case, uh, you've been part of the rain community for a long time. We have not had any kind of contact for gosh, two or three years, anyways, you know, pre-COVID for sure. And so it's time we catch up. Times we find out what's going on for uh, you and Patrick, and uh, that's where I want to start. What the heck are you doing? If somebody walks up to you guys and says, what do you do? What's your answer to that question these days? Because you've uh, traveled a long journey to get to where you are today. Well, so Patrick, what we do is we partner with accredited investors and we're doing that through our diversified real estate fund. We've been doing this for about 12 years in the Dallas market as syndicated deals, but as the market has become more competitive, and we have found the need to help our investors diversify, we began our fund. The advantage that we've got, we'll certainly talk about that, is is we're certainly uh, vertically aligned. Nobody cares like the owner, so we self-manage. We do a lot of the construction in-house, but the icing on the cake is that we're impact investors. We have found it's through education and a series of discussions that we can help our investors understand that when you've got an impact advantage and you have an impact as part of your social cause, especially when you're investing in multifamily buildings with just a huge amount of of residents, you can actually make more money consistently through the retention programs and things like that that we'll get into. So tell me a little bit about what impact means in this context. You know, so what, what impact means for us, it's on the uh, the social impact and the environmental impact. And a lot of times when you're looking at apartment buildings, we're again buying a lot of the C-class apartment buildings and we refer to our residents as the unsung heroes. And we say that because if they're in construction, oftentimes they're the laborers, they're the cleaners, the cooks, they're the landscapers, the people that if they're working at a restaurant, oftentimes it's a fast food restaurant. So they're working in jobs, and, and when I say working, I mean, I, I truly mean they're working. They're not on subsidized housing. And then what happens is, is they're not really treated very well at work quite often, but then they go home and in the C-class space, quite often they're not really treated that well. And just through a series of events, we have discovered that if we really do something that's far more than just customer service by truly making an impact in their lives, kind of like that saying is, you know, you can give a person a fish and feed them for a day, but if you teach them how to fish, you can feed them for a lifetime. So that concept of lifelong learning and educating their mindset, not just having good customer service, allows us to create better, more tight-knit communities. And then the icing on the cake is it's better for our investors because you can imagine our retention rates are higher, which means that our turnover rates are lower, our expenses are lower, and even like... Um, even like the water bills are lower. So like when we're celebrating Earth Day and we're talking with the residents about planting trees, it's interesting how many water work orders come in when you're talking about taking care of Mother Earth and things like that. So it helps the recycling programs. 
So when you look at what you're doing, you know, why did you choose the market? There's a couple questions here. The first one I'll ask you is why did you choose Dallas as a market? And when you talk about multifamily, are you talking, you know, uh, 20 units, 10 units, 200 unit? What what kind of size of uh, uh, buildings are you looking at these days? Okay, great question. Matt, do you want to take that and I'll fill in a little bit? Well, um, as far as the size of buildings, Patrick, we're buying an average of 200 uh, units per building in Dallas. And the reason that we like Dallas so much is because, well, there's many, many reasons, but there's no state income tax. It's very landlord friendly. The migration into Dallas has been crazy for as long as we've been there. Patrick and I have been in the market now for a dozen years. And um, there's many companies coming from all over the United States are moving there because of the great cost of living. So it's just been an amazing market for us. And, and all of the indicators pointed there when we decided to start purchasing there and they've continued. And, and there's just so much growth in that market. Yeah. And one thing I'd like to add is, you know, I started off like many of our listeners in that's that I started off cutting my teeth in single family residential. And I was going to different um, classes and boot camps. Well, and I was doing I was doing it OK, but I ended up tying into a guy. His name was Ron Legrand. And oh, yeah. Ron no, Legrand, Ron. No, I know Ron well. Yeah. Okay, so he, I just really latched onto him because I was already buying and keeping and flipping houses, but it really brought my game up to a whole different level. But then what he did is he had a commercial boot camp, and oh my goodness, Patrick, I was hooked. And as Ron Legrand would say, Southern boy, the more money that you waddle in, the more that's going to stick to you. Mm -hmm. And and for us, grass was truly greener on the other side. So once he started talking about commercial. I jumped in, I became one of his top students in the commercial area. And then I had an opportunity to do some due diligence for project manager. And I went out and I did it. And I didn't realize this at the time, but I could see why Ron appreciated it. When they wanted me to look at these deals, I ended up canceling the deals. And that's where Ron Legrand then chose to make me one of his project managers, not so much for what I was doing, but because I was a really conservative guy, my background's construction, and I would see the different projects that he wanted to develop. And I would say things like this is this, these are all the reasons why it doesn't make sense. And so as a project manager, and I worked my way up to be a Southwest divisional project manager. And that means that when he would have these events, I would pre-screen the deals for all of the students and things like that. It didn't matter what city I was in. I could be in LA, I could be in Chicago, New York. Anytime I was pre-screening the deals, and on the average at that time, there were maybe 300 plus students. When I would pre-screen the deals, Dallas, Texas was always one of the top five. So that's why we ended up going to the Dallas market. And I'll let Maddie tell the story, but you know, it's, it's really cool for us because that's actually where we met. Well, tell us the story, Maddie. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll, I'll maybe give you a little bit of my background first, Patrick, and kind of where I started, where it, where it led up to um, with Patrick and I working together and developing the business. So I'm Canadian. Patrick is American. And um, so I was born actually in Gravelberg, Saskatchewan, and uh, was living in Moose Jaw at a year old. And I, my family moved to um um, small town, Alberta, Pincher Creek. I don't know if you're yeah, very familiar. familiar with you bet. The very windy Pincher Creek. <laughs> 
So I grew up there um, until I was 10 and then moved to the big city of Calgary. I've been here ever since. But I went to the U of C and got my Bachelor of Commerce and concentrated in marketing. And from there, opened up a construction company as well. So Patrick and I both had similar backgrounds, built a few houses, you know, moved from house to house, but didn't get very serious about real estate until um, early 2000s. My brother bought me a course and it was through Robert Allen, which was, you know, focused on U.S. real estate. So I listened to every you know, I was, I was on every meeting. It was all on the phone back then. Um, but I listened to every meeting and learned everything that I could, but it was really from a U.S. perspective. So I joined Rain then. Uh, I think it was January of 2003, so 19 years ago. And um, it was a big deal back then for me to join because it was a 17-month commitment. You couldn't even attend one event in advance, so you just had to, like, you know, hope that you were signing the papers and it was a good deal and um anyways it, it turned out to be literally one of the best decisions i ever made in in my real estate career um because i i met so many people there and and um learned so much so i really focused on learning and i couldn't really afford all of the courses and stuff back then but i i did whatever i had to do to be able to to attend the courses which you know the couple that were for for houses buying houses through on the ground and and foreclosures and renovations and you had you know like even uh, when i i actually organized the Thomas Byers' very first course that he put on for multifamily. Sure. I, or, I organized it all for him and, and went and managed the, the program so that I could, you know, attend and learn from him. So that was awesome. From there, I specialized in foreclosures, flipping paper to different investors, uh, brought in silent investors and, and RSP lenders and started buying main floors, basement suites, double detached garages, and then moved into fourplexes from there. And then after that, I actually got, uh, it was just being in the right place at the right time. I ended up in commercial. I didn't know much about commercial real estate at all at the time, but right place, right time, met the right people and ended up being the middleman in commercial deals. So it might've been a parking lot downtown Calgary that they were going to build a tower or could have been a parkade and in uh, Edmonton and whatnot. So I did that for about three or four years. And then that's when the market crashed and, you know, nobody was buying or selling anything. I mean, there was plenty for sale, but no one was buying. And so that's when the this commercial bootcamp came up and it was actually rain that was advertising to go to Vegas in early 2010 and go to this commercial bootcamp. And, at the time being that I had been in commercial for, for a little while, I could see that, I mean, America was on sale and there was going to be a lot of opportunity out there. So I wanted to learn commercial real estate from an American perspective and be able to maybe move my business out there, you know, at, at the right timing and for Canadian investors to see me out there, see that I've been working out there by the time they were willing to start putting their money out into the U.S., so I went to the boot camp in Vegas, and that's where I met Patrick. Oh, and there you go. Love at first sight, at least <laughs> real estate at first sight, and away you go. Real estate. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to add just a little bit. It was a funny story because there were like 350 people there, 
And by the way, and I'm not just saying this because this is a, a, a lot of rain listeners, certainly rain. I couldn't believe how bright everybody was. I was like, my goodness, where is the education coming? It was incredible because there were just so many people in the room. And then Maddie, she was like the star student in the room. She brought 17 deals. So I went over deal after deal with hers. And the other thing that really impressed me about her is there were, as you can imagine, there were a, a conflict of deals. So there was one deal and another person was kind of getting upset. They were taking some coaching. And so I was approached and I was told, you know, look, there's a conflict. Maddie's got this deal. So does this other person, yada, yada. And can you please talk with Maddie about it? Because she's not taking the coaching. So I talked with Maddie about it. And she was just crushing it with all of her 17 deals. And, and her comment back to me was, oh, I could care less. Let them have the deal. I'm just here for the education. No problem. Let them take it. You know, no more discussions. And through that, through that conversation, I put that little star on her business card. <laughs> and I thought this could be somebody that I could really work with later on. So then I called her a month later about an opportunity and asked if she might want to consider going in on some deals together. And that's how we started to work together. So it was really cool. Well, what a great story. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, Maddie, for those listeners that, you know, you started in the Real Estate Investment Network back in about 2003, I think you said 2002, 2003. I was back in about 2000 when I came on. Uh, but you weren't Maddie Gergen back then. So, you know, you were Madeline Focaccio. And, and that would be where most people knew you as, you know, especially any of the veteran RAIN members that might be happening to listen to this. But Madeline, I want to go back with you a little bit because I'm always curious. And I think, you know, when we consider, you know, the context of always for the show has always been, you know, seemingly ordinary, achieving extraordinary results. And so you've got this young girl from Pincher Creek that moves to Calgary, Edmonton, wherever you ended up as a young adult. And you know, what you took on and what you've done over the years, but what drove you to do what you did in getting started out? I mean, we hear, we have conversations on a regular basis with, you know, people and community and, you know, they've got this fear of this and this fear of that, and I have no money and it's going to crash and I don't, I'm not smart enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not good looking enough. I, you know, like all of the things of, what took you on the journey where you just kept going in that learning curve? And then aside from the learning, because people also get caught in the learning, you were then executing on deals. Now, where did that come from? You know, is that, is that nature or nurture? So in other words, did you kind of come out of the shoot that way or were mom and dad entrepreneurial? Like how did that show up for you? Patrick, I would definitely say, you know, it comes from my parents and my upbringing. My mom was very entrepreneurial. She opened medical clinics. She was a nurse, um, but as well a businesswoman and opened up medical clinics for doctors and then managed the clinics until getting them off the ground and then open up another one. Um, she also opened up fitness centers. She owned five fitness centers and she worked really hard and really taught us strong work ethic. There's four of us and our four, four kids in our family and all have very strong work ethic. And so I think I just, you know, from a young age, I, you know, from university, I 
I worked really hard and really kind of pushed the limit. And then with my construction business, I did have about 40 people working for us at the time. And then when I, when my brother bought me this course, you know, I was like, well, you know, I had interest in real estate, but it was multiple streams of income. So it wasn't just real estate, but I just gravitated to the real estate. Um, but I knew it was new for me. I needed to learn as much as I could. So I just, I just loved it. I never missed a rain meeting. I, you know, like I said, took every bit of training that I possibly could and um, just pushed it forward. And I, I think through the years, what I've come to realize, ask me what drives me because I, you know, right now I run a lot of different parts of the business and Patrick and I together have, you know, kind of separated out different areas that we oversee. And what I've realized is what I love to do is make the impossible possible. So I, I just thrive on that. So when we first went out um, to Dallas and started buying there, it really was the impossible. It was, you know, like you're saying, me from Canada, you know, not knowing this U.S. market at all, um, which is, you know, it, it worked out ideal with Patrick and I because he was so knowledgeable about the market and I just learned to trust him really quickly and we became really good friends and I had, um, I had, you know, full trust in in him and knowing that he knew the market and and what was a good plan out there but it was raising money from canadian investors who had never invested in the united states before and that was not a common thing back then and it was in a market that had just significantly crashed and so everybody was very fearful of investing number one even in canada but now all of a sudden we had to do it not just in Canada, we had to convince them that this is a good opportunity in the US. And so that was kind of making the impossible possible to me. So I just, I remember just, you know, even being on a family um, reunion and Patrick was out there and a building came out. We were both out there together and then um, a building came up, um, Bella Vista Point for purchase, and it was an amazing, amazing deal. So. Patrick was there doing all of the due diligence and I flew back home and I had to go to a family reunion out on the island. And so at the family reunion, I don't think I saw any family. I was just like, okay, we gotta raise this money because nothing happened out there, especially at that time, like it did in Canada. You know, to close a 200 unit building in Canada, you're looking at probably four or six months to close it at that time. In Dallas, we had a month, you know, it was one month. You had to put it under contract, do your due diligence, raise the capital and close that deal. And so we had to do it very quickly. So um, I, I think that was the driving force and still is today. I love the deal analysis. I love the, um, you know, like just finding the deals and structuring the deals and and that part of the business I absolutely love and it drives me and it, and it, it's, it is making the impossible possible. Well, that's such a great story and, and some insights into just, you know, who you are. That's what I always love about, you know, the entrepreneurial journey is that, you know, it shows up different for everybody. And but there's always something that's there that we want to lean into. We want to push against, you know, that challenges, you know, is really what drives us that moving forward against something that's saying, no, that's probably not going to work. But you persist and you move it forward. I guess I was compared to going to the gym saying, you know, and somebody says, well, if you want to get stronger, you have to lift a little bit more weight, which is always uncomfortable, but you take it on and you eventually lift that weight. And that's all about the growth. And, you know, what you've done over this many years now, uh, 20 years is really 
just lifted a lot of weights and gotten really strong. You know, that's really what it boils down to. And Patrick, how about you? What was your journey? Like, how did you get on this path of the entrepreneur? And, you know, even I get that you met Ron Legrand and, and Ron is, is awesome. He's, he's a smart dude. Like he really knows his stuff. He's a great sales guy. I love Ron and uh, you know, how he, his approach to thing. He's funny. But how did you get on your journey? You know, uh, when did you start? Were you, have you always been an entrepreneur? You know, I think for me, it was more out of necessity, I, I think, as you're describing it like that. Because for me, even though my parents were divorced, so it was like single mom, four kids, and we didn't have a lot of money. And so for me, I really began to uh, have money when I was 11 years old and got my first paper route. So I worked there. I did that for a couple of years. And I can remember being able to buy things that I couldn't always buy. And then at the age of 15, I'm, I was uh, working as a, as a busing tables, worked my way up to be a cook's assistant at the age of 15. So I, I always worked. And I kind of listened to the story of like Mark Cuban when he talks about that. Having a paper route was really instrumental in his life. It was interesting in my life because really early on, I just acquired a strong work ethic because I remember having friends that would spend the night, but you still would need to deliver those newspapers every Saturday morning, Sunday morning. If you were gone, you would need to find a substitute and even just collecting the newspapers. If you missed a newspaper, you know, you're kind of negotiating with the people that said that their newspaper didn't arrive on their doorstep, some things like that. So mm. I did that. And then I, uh, and then so, and then I ended up getting into construction. So I didn't go to formal college. I moved out at the age of 17 and I started to do construction. And I just kind of thought, you know, rental houses were just for my retirement because my parents were not, my mom was a nurse. My father worked for the state, certainly not entrepreneurs. And until I read that darn book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Mm-hmm. And everybody talks about what a great experience that book was for them. For me, it was a great experience, but I was just, just could not believe how much I didn't know. I felt bad, Patrick, that I felt that I was really um, ignorant to many of the ideas about money because I hadn't had rich people around me or in my life or, or any wealthy like mentors. Like some people talk about like the wealthy uncle or I didn't sure. have any of one. And so when I read that book, I was like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I need to do this full time. And so I used my construction experience and contract experience into buying houses. So I just buy a house and turn it into a rental, buy a house, flip it, and kind of every other one. But then when, when I had like 17 homes at that point, that's when I realized I needed more training. And I got on the Ron Legrand bandwagon with taking some boot camps. And that's what then ended up, it, that, that turned into me taking the commercial boot camp. So then when the commercial boot camp, you know, the grass really was greener for me. It was just so much easier to make money with bigger zeros, more zeros added onto it. And so that's been, that's been cool. And then also I like to say like, like going through the Great Recession it was, a, it was a big pivotal moment for me. It was like that fork in the road that you describe sometimes. And so with that fork in the road, I know that, you know, like Warren Buffett says, rule number one, let, never lose money. Rule number two, never forget rule number one. Mm-hmm. And so what we looked at our multifamily in the beginning was mainly just multiple streams of income. And so we were looking at it like, let's self-manage, let's figure this out, let's systemize it, but let's also have some other sources of income to be, to be able to survive different recessions and things like that. 
Cool. So where I want to go with this is a little bit into, you know, the conversation, Madeline, particularly because you, well, Patrick, to the degree that you're aware of it. So Rain often talked about what is your Belize, you know, which is what is your why? And when you consider what you're doing today or consider how hard you've worked and you've made a lot of money, you've done a lot of deals, but what is driving it for you? Is there a, is there a higher purpose behind it? You know, was there a vision that you work are working backwards from? And it's, I know it's a moving target and it changes and shifts as we get older and, you know, accomplish more things. But Madeline, what was it for you? Did you have that proverbial Belize, that big why when you started out? I would say um, it came with time and Patrick and I formed that why together. And, um, you know, like we sold a few buildings a, a year and a half ago, we've got a few left and now we're starting our expansion. So we really had to have our why now going into this expansion because it's a very aggressive expansion plan we have coming up over the next seven or eight years. So with that, we formed our why is for social impact. It just so happens to be through real estate because that's what we know and we're able to, uh, and that's where our experience lies. But Patrick's and my mission is to affect as many people's lives as we can. And we can do this through real estate and like just to maybe add on a little bit more regarding the social impact and what we actually do with the properties in order to impact lives. Like I said, we buy, you know, BNC class properties. They're in tough neighborhoods in Dallas and um, people don't have a lot of opportunity there. So we do free after school children's programs. We do free tutoring of the children, soccer competitions between the buildings. Um, we do two resident events every month personal development libraries, self-defense classes. We've taught budgeting classes. I mean, our um, calendar of events and teaching opportunities is extensive. And so through the years, I mean, we started out doing it early on um, with the free after children's program, after school children's programs, as well as our resident events. But now we've significantly increase that and in the future we plan to also target more of the teenagers because we've done a good job with the, the children and the families and whatnot but we feel like we want to target um, depression and anxiety and you know we did we did one class that was how to how to get into college um, you know so just just different things that affect teenagers and where we can you know help there so so yeah that's our mission that's our why. That's why we're doing this, and um, and we feel it, it really guides us on a lot of decisions that we're making right now. So it's such an interesting concept, and I'm really curious about it. I want to hear more about it. You know, in you talk about, let's start first off in the mechanics of it. You're buying a C building. You're upping it to a B. That's kind of, you know, a pretty standard operating model, and you've come in and you've gained efficiencies in how to turn over units and bring cash flow up and NOI and all of the rest of that. But is there some kind of specific magic that you do in behind the scenes? And I don't mean magic. I mean, is there something that you're really proud of in terms of your efficiencies and making that all happen? Well, um, yeah. So 
it's it's a different market now than when we started buying there a dozen years ago. It's a highly competitive market. And, you know, back when we started buying, we would buy buildings that were in foreclosure, significantly underperforming. You know, we would buy them, renovate them. And then, you know, part, part of that was movement with the market as, you know, the market moved forward. So did, you know, the values of our buildings. Now we need to, you know, Patrick and I took a few years to really detail out what the new business model would be that would work in this market. And so what we've come up with is a forced value add plan. So when we, what we're doing with our real estate fund right now is we're seeding Bella Vista Point apartments that we've owned for 11 years. We're seeding that one into the fund. So we know the building really well. We have a very strong value add plan for that building. From there, we'll be uh, putting two more value add properties in there. And what we look for is natural movement of the rents. There's been a lot of movement in rents over the last couple of years, as you can imagine. And some owners have not moved their rents with the market. So first of all, we're looking for buildings that we can move the rents with the market. Um, Secondly, we're doing a premium high-end renovation in these buildings. So this is kind of something new over the last few years in the B and C class, where you're doing a high-end premium granite countertops, um, flooring, different things to really um, upgrade those units. And we've tested them in the market and we're able to get between $125 to $175 more per unit. So that in turn increases the value of the building. Um, We're doing, you know, larger yards, covered parking, reserve parking, like just many different things that we've put together that will add value to that building and in turn increase the value of the building and increase the profits for investors. And then with our um, social impact plan that we put in, that also helps to increase profit because uh, we're not a nonprofit, we are for profit. And it helps to lower our costs, like our turnover costs and whatnot in the buildings as well. So. That's kind of our secret sauce, as Patrick calls it. Wow. And, and so, Patrick, just before you, you, you get in there, I have a, a question that maybe you can fold into your answer that you're going to give me on the other question. But when you look at participation rate of these, uh, you know, from your tenants, your, you know, the, the teenagers, for example, and the participation rate in some of the programs that you're offering, does it grow? Is it quite strong are you surprised by how much people take it on where because it's an interesting concept and you know certainly from an altruistic point of view it sounds really cool you know i've not heard of anybody doing that and i think that's you know when you think about the esg movement you don't hear the you know you don't hear that societal kind of move that you guys are making very often so tell me a little bit more about that in terms of participation and and the success that you've seen I think it depends which event. Um, Our community events uh, are always hugely attended by families. And and so we get a lot of people showing up there. We literally launched our personal growth libraries right when COVID hit. Oh boy. Yeah, so that didn't go over as well. And we need to, I mean, we we got books that were, I mean, great books that Patrick and I have read or that, you know, have, really great reviews and some of them in Spanish, some in English, like, you know, we really tried to push that, but I don't think it was marketed well enough. So that hasn't gone over as well. We need to really try and figure out a way to market that. Um, And, you know, we're working on that, but um, yeah, Patrick, do you have more to 
say about that? I mean, our, I guess teenagers too, we're more starting to target teenagers and trying to find different ways because we did do one event that was, uh, you know, to teach them how to get into, how to apply uh, to get into college. And we did not have very good attendance. So I think it's a, it's a progressive thing. And, you know, it's us learning as well, what works, what doesn't work and, and, you know, what, what do they want to do? And and the teenagers, you know, I think we're going to have to target that a little differently. So, well, one of the, one of our, community, they did what they called, I think, a backpack program. And what they did was they started donating and raising money and donations to give kids backpacks. And I think, you know, the first couple of years, it was 20 and then 50. And, you know, now they're up to like 1200 backpacks that they're giving out. And and, then they've got an extensive portfolio in Phoenix. But the point is, is that these programs take some time to develop. And I just love the concept and the difference that it makes truly not only in the performance of the asset but ultimately you are making a a really significant difference in the community and i think that's an important thing to be doing these days well one thing that is has gone over really well at the buildings is our free after school children's programs and so the children get out of school you know between 2 33 o'clock it gives the parents you know peace of mind that they can stay at work and work till five o'clock knowing that the kids are in our after school children's programs. And as well, they're run by teachers now. So uh, the teachers will um, also tutor the kids if they're having difficulty in any one area of school. So that's been huge. And we get a lot of kids showing up to that program. So yeah, it's it really is kind of a learning. Um, we do do the, the backpacks for school as well when they start school. As a matter of fact, we do a, a, a huge event and we've reached out to the, the hairdressers, like there's a, a training college in the area so the new hairdressers come out and they do free haircuts for the kids and everything before school and so yeah that's been, love it yeah love it yeah we'll get literally you know over 100 people showing up for those events that's so great and so patrick when you're talking to your investors and when you're now talking about the fund and explaining the fund launch to them i mean this is i guess all part of really the philosophy of the business and what you guys are doing give me a little bit of insights if i'm an investor you know what does it sound like when i'm sitting down with patrick and and or maddie and go okay so tell me a little bit about what you're doing what am i what is my investment doing why would i do that Okay, yeah, yeah. And and it's nice because we were originally, Patrick, we were doing the syndicated deals. And then we changed to the fund because of the different advantages. But when we sum it up, we always say, you know, look, we start off with a strong split. Because if we're going to be best in class and outperform and, you know, always have those above average returns, we need to have very aggressive splits. So everything starts off with an 80-20, 20% to us. 80% to our investors. Second thing that we do is we do a preferred return. It's a 7% preferred return. And then we pay preferred returns quarterly, 4% quarterly. And then most importantly, what we do is, is, you know, because we'll always basically say anything that we underwrite, we're looking for that, that equity multiple of 2x. We're looking to double their money in five years. And we're looking to do that because 
Well, number one in C-class, unlike A-class, C-class, you can still find operators that don't really know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. That's a big one, right? So you want to have that organic growth right from the beginning. And then as Maddie said, you do those premium rentals and through all those forced value adds and a series of doing it really cheaply, it makes a big difference. And then the other thing that we do, you know, of course, then we're able to lower the expenses as we've talked about with our, with our impact programs. But you know, through it all, everything that we advertise, we've, we've certainly um, have exceeded. And that's always a 16 to 18% IRR equity multiple of 2x in five years or less. And we've done that consistently for the past 12 years. Unfortunately, it's only for the accredited investors, but that's the way the market is in the United States more so. And it's $100,000 uh, US minimum. But when our investors come with us, uh, they, you know, they know us by name and there's certainly investors that we don't take. We kind of have like that no jerk rule because some of our investors have become some of our best friends. And it's really nice when you can really get to know people on a personal basis. And that's why when people talk with us and pretty much it's everybody who's ever invested with us, they always talk with us individually. And, and that goes well. I think, did I answer everything you asked? I think so, and I'll and I'll work through it. But there's a couple things that show up for me in that. So when you're in this particular fund or how you operate, are your investors generally are they traveling out to Dallas, for example, or are some of them wanting to go out and look at the building? Some have that need to you know touch and see. Are you taking on tours that way, or what is some of the programming behind? You know, what we have found is we like to meet them, you know, over the phone or, you know, through Zoom, whichever way they want to do it. We certainly have some investors that like to come and see the properties. And we love to show the properties off. We, of course, as Maddie said, we, we reside um, in between Alberta, Canada, Calgary. And then we have a place in Dallas as well. So we love to show off the properties. And we always want to educate them because you know, a lot of times it's just a, a process. We always say it's like going through immigration. Like maybe you're going to a, a very difficult country to get into. That first level of integration is that first gate is we need to be able to build trust. And for that, they need to be able to really get to know us and understand the process and our record. And then after they get through the trust level, then the other one is, okay, now that I trust you, well, how much money am I going to make? And, but we're, you know, we have, we're not mistaken at all on that first level. We don't try to sell anybody on anything without first letting them get to know us so they can feel good about it and they can be informed. And then as it relates to the fund, the reason that they like the fund is we would have, we, we structured it, Patrick, so that we don't get paid the majority of our carried interest until the third deal is sold. Because sometimes you just have, especially Canadian investors, they're a little bit nervous going to the United States. And so when we say, look, we're, we're going to be three for three before we get paid, this is why. Step one, you get paid all of your money back. Step two, you get paid all of the preferred interest. And then number three, then we're going to start splitting profits. And when you show them the calculations, they realize all of their money is not paid back in the preferred interest until the third deal is sold. That's when the lion's share of all the profits come in. And so as we educate them, they feel good knowing that we get paid on the on the bottom of the stack, as they say. Yeah, so they're, you're being paid kind of last in, in that regard. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So tell me something that, you know, just a little on topic, off topic, got the fund, got your kind of business model. I want to know a little bit about 
you, Patrick, and you, Maddie, in terms of how you work together as a couple. You know, over the years, you know, certainly as I've talked to people and how I've been interviewed myself, and and it's a it's not an easy question generally. I find it, you know, Stephanie and I have worked, we own our businesses together and and I often say that, you know, if Stephanie wasn't part of my life, I don't know if I would have even accomplished anything near what I've accomplished, whatever you want to measure that against. But how do you find working together? How is it that when you look back and you reflect on your journey together in business, how important has the relationship been? And is there any kind of, is there a secret sauce to that component of what you do? You know, I mean, and I can say this, and if for me, it's just my life, when I really look at my life and I look at where did my life really begin, and I'm referring to just really enjoying it. I mean, you know, when I was younger, I was just relentless and working and things like that kind of put my head down. But when I met Maddie, it, that's when for me, life truly began, because then I began working with my best friend. Until she started flirting with me, then you know. So she, she was, started, then it was all over. I know. <laughs> yeah, she was. She was first. I have a, a similar story. <laughs> similar story with Stephanie. No, that's true. <laughs> you get a different story from me, Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes, well, you get your turn, Patrick. Please finish your story. And so it was really good for me just to be able to have that life of just really truly enjoying life. You know, for me, I guess I might relate it to being like a wagon wheel, and my wagon wheel had voice. And so every time my wheel would go around, it was the ka-chunk, ka-chunk, because I was successful in business and I was successful in many other areas of my life, but I was not successful with my relationship. And so just being able to be with Maddie and have that amazing relationship and now being able to work with my best friend has just been amazing on so many levels. But with that said, because we do work together, we absolutely have different roles that we do. And so it was discovered that she does operations better than I do. And so she is running like the operations and we both do in, investor relations. And, and I'm more of a strategist. I'm more of a person that's looking at the different systems. So we have our defining roles and, and it really helps out. Plus we're in different offices and we just do many things different, although many are the same. And the other thing I like to talk about to your point about the relationship, we're one percenters on the financial aspect, but what really feels good, Patrick, is that we're also one percent with our relationship. And that feels really good because it's very deliberate. It's very intentional. One thing we just love about your podcast is when I saw that you divided them all the way up into regular podcasts and then separate ones just for mindset. I haven't seen anybody do that. I was super impressed with that because to us, mindset's everything. It's all about being intentional. And so we're very intentional with our relationship. And if we get off track, and we do, of course, we do what's called a reset. And a reset for us, and we both buy into it, it's can we do a reset? And that pretty much means that everything prior to that that was negative didn't take place. And we both buy into the reset. And that really helps. Fantastic. Okay, Maddie, you know, we got to hear from your side of this whole story. And uh, we know that you were flirting with Patrick. And, and of course, he gave in. He didn't stand a chance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That's what happens, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> I know I have a similar story with Stephanie, you know, go ahead. We yeah. joke, we jest, of course, we jest, yeah. of course, but go ahead. What, what is it about you? Because here's the thing, I, you know, that I know, and, you know, Stephanie and I have been together, you know, 30 years and, you know, have been entrepreneurs that whole time and have been gone through the highs, the lows, you know, that's kind of an ongoing thing in terms of business. But one thing that we've really got, we were clear on right from the start. And like you, Patrick, my life didn't start until I met Stephanie, you know, and, and I would never have accomplished half, not even close to what I've accomplished today without her at my side or sometimes behind me kicking my ass. But, you know, so for you, Maddie, when you look at how this relationship unfolded for you, what was it for you and how did it kind of come together and how do you keep it together? It's been awesome for us. Um, like I say, we, we, we have to put different things in place to like Patrick was talking about the reset. I don't know. I don't think we've mentioned yet, but we also share seven kids together. Um, so we have a very busy life together and, you know, and it's higher pressure and whatnot with our business as well. And with the kids, of course. So we do different things. Like we have date nights. We don't talk about business in the evenings or early in the mornings when we're dealing with our own self-care. We're very respectful of each other and each other's place in the business. So we, for example, when we used to, uh, when we first started taking over management to the buildings and we, we were opened our management company, we both were managing that business. And so everybody, we had to get two yeses and, and it just, was difficult like that. So that's when we decided kind of to separate our duties. And I took over the operations and Patrick took over expansion. And then with time, as we started, you know, developing the plan for expansion, I started doing the marketing. He was overseeing the legal. There was just a lot of different areas that we each had strengths in. And so we focused on those strengths. Um, we also do things like we go on a honeymoon every year <laughs> and that's because that's the one trip a year that none of the kids asked to come on. So, so we go and we, we try to do it where it's on a different time zone so that, you know, nobody's phoning us in the middle of the day to do this or to do that. We're like in the middle of the day where we are, it's the middle of the night where everyone else is. So we've just, but it's been amazing because we trust each other implicitly and it's amazing to have a business partner that you can trust like that we love both love doing what we do so we get really excited about it which is what started this relationship in the first place really was just the excitement to you know we'd sit in the evenings and just talk about the business and what we were going to do with the business and how exciting that was for us so it's it really truly is amazing being able to like patrick says work with my best friend and my husband and you know the person that's everything to me so it's it's been amazing that's awesome I know that you do some coaching just by nature, whether you do it, you know, and saying, I'm going to coach you through this and you charge for it, or whether you just do coaching by nature with your investors, taking them through the process that includes some coaching, but also with your team and with other investors over the years. And 
of course, within the Real Estate Investment Network, we see so often that couples that don't work together. So in other words, and that's fine, by the way, got it. You know, Stephanie doesn't work with me directly in our real estate portfolio. Also, she's aware of what's going on. But the point is, is she understands the language. She has been around long enough that I'm not talking, you know, out of school in terms of what she understands. And if I am, she always asks for clarity. So, you know, I... I guess the point that I always want to make here is that I'm sure that you've discovered this over the years in maybe even your own observations is that when you have a couple, whether they're working together or, or just on the same page and say, okay, you run with the real estate side of the equation. That's fine. Got it. I'll do my career because one of us needs to make a, an income to go to the bank, whatever the, the kind of the story is behind it. But what we often come across and I'd like your view of it too, is that, if one person in the relationship goes on this real estate journey and the other person is not on board, is going, no, it's too risky or there's, you know, it's too this or it's too that, that will really be the anchor that could be tied to somebody's ass in terms of really being successful in that regard. Have you run across that? And if you do, you know, what is some of the guidance that you've maybe given over the years? I could maybe answer that. And so, you know, for us, um, we have a business coach that helps because then you have somebody that's given you guidance that has a third party point of view. They can see what's going on. And the other thing that, that we say is, is if you're going to go to a seminar, oftentimes when people are going to go that direction or there, they've got that fear. It's, it's going to somebody like Tony Robbins or, or somebody like that that can really help them with their mindset and especially doing it together. So the big thing that Maddie and I do is when we're going to people, and again, I'll give the example Tony Robbins because we've seen him, we're going to go to him again. You're both on the same page with that mindset. And oftentimes that's when the synergy really comes in and you really become together and get on the same page. But so, so to sum it up, it's truly most of the time for us, a third party person that creates that bridge. And I, I can add to that as well, Patrick, is, um, and we also need two yeses. So if one of us is a no and the other is a yes, it doesn't work. So when we make decisions like key decisions with the, the business, it's both of us needing two yeses and then trusting like there's different ends of the business that Patrick and I are really strong at. And so we trust each other on those. So when we used to close buildings, every building we closed the day we were closing, I'd say, okay, tell me again why we're doing this. And then he'd go through all of the reasons why we're doing this. And I'd be like, yeah, right. Check. That's what it is. You know? So, um, so it's, it's trusting each other's knowledge as well as, third-party knowledge. Mm -hmm. When you look at your kind of business model today and, you know, the fact that you're looking out, I think I heard you say eight years, you know, a vision for the, you know, kind of an eight-year window of time that you've kind of looked at, however you got to that eight years, but you've got a vision that is out in that way. 
you know, what does it look like? I, you know, I remember one of the guests that I had on the show, Janet LePage, you know, she had a, you know, I remember when I first time I had her on the show, she was like really clear, I'm going to do a billion dollars. We're going to have a billion dollars, you know, in this portfolio. And she had set a date for that. Now, do you think in, when you set goals, do you set goals in those terms or, or do you have a, a different range of goals that you set? How do you set yourself up in the business that you've, you're going forward with today? Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do. We're, we're firm believers that if you want to get somewhere, you need clarity and clarity is putting it in writing. Target. And, and it's not beating yourself up so much as you've got a guide and, and we're big into the pivot. So it's okay if you haven't met your goal or maybe you've crushed it and you're going to set a higher goal, but we're very intentional. If you looked on my wall, you'd see that the goals are there and we're looking at them. But we also say, it's not so much that we want to have like the, the billion dollars in real estate, which we do, by the way, that is one of the goals. And we want to hit that in five years or less. And we'll say it's not so much that we just want to have 10,000 units that we bought and sold. We'll also add that to the amount of people that we're going to affect. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's say it's about 2.7 people. So that means it's almost 30,000 people directly that we're going to be able to affect that have lived in our units and and we're on this journey of the impact, and we certainly like to share that because there's so many things other people could do that, that we do, and we love that. But the thing that we say is, is that it's not really so much as, as getting there. It's the destination for us. It's showing up like that person needs to show up every day instead of, of being uh, somebody that's going to, I don't know, I'm going to pull this right out of like James Clear from Atomic Habits. Instead of saying you're going to run a marathon, we make lifelong changes. And in that, that example, we would say, I'm a runner. Instead of saying, I'm going to read two books a month, I like to say, I'm a reader. Mm -hmm. And it just really helps out. So it's not so much of the destination. It's that we want to show up and just crush it every day. Mm -hmm. Maddie, anything that you would add to that? Yeah, I, I guess, you know, like Patrick's saying, we're going to, you know, like we, we set a plan, we sit down in the boardroom and we do hammer out a plan. Okay, with eight years, it's going to take, you know, this is what we want to do in eight years. And then we break it down to how much per year. So our goal right now is we want to start purchasing one 200 unit apartment building per quarter. So, um, so, you know, so it's, it's all kind of nailed down in the boardroom with us just throwing stuff at the wall and then bringing it all back and bringing it down to, okay, what do we have to do? However, things change in that plan at all times. It's just a moving target. And, you know, so some things that we thought we were going to go a certain direction went a different direction and whatnot. But um, one thing that, that we've also learned is, you know, people get, you know, analysis paralysis and and have difficulty in pushing that forward. And so what Patrick and I have learned is it doesn't have to be perfect, but it's got to get done. So that's kind of the philosophy that we've taken over the last few years is just that, you know, it not it doesn't have to be perfect. None of it's gonna be perfect. Life isn't perfect. Things change, things move, but we're going to get it done. So we just, um, yeah, we just push forward every day. When you look at, you know, the past 
two plus years and lockdowns and global change and world wars, or at least, you know, the potential for a world war, arguably a world war, depends on who you want to talk to and what, what sanctions really mean in all of what's going on between Ukraine and Russia. The question I would, you know, be curious about from you is if you think about it and reflect, and and I have not asked you this question, you know, prior, so I get that it might catch up guard, but I'm curious, is there something that you've learned about yourself, about, or about how you view the world, something that you say now that you look back over the past, you know, two and a half years and say, this is what I've learned about myself. This is what I see now, my observation of the world. Uh, this is where I see opportunity. Something that shows up for you, given the pandemic was really, truly, I believe, a fork in the road for everybody at some level, right? Mm -hmm. Good, bad, or indifferent. And any any thoughts that you say, you know something, this is what I've observed about anything, given what's happened? You know, the big thing that I feel that I got out of it is the quality family time that you can have when you just settle in and settle down for us. We were no longer flying near as much, Patrick. Mm -hmm. And so it was truly the power of focus. COVID on a business level has been very good to us. On a, on a health level, of course, horrible. And, and we know people you know, that have died and have just been absolutely affected by it. On a, on a business level, it was very good because we were able to stop all of the noise and really focus on our values and really focus on our business. And, and so that was really good. And then, when, so when we see the different things that are going on in, in Russia, as an example, you know, and our, I, we always say, you know, if we can't control it, we don't want to focus too, too much on it. We want to be able to contribute and help the charitable organizations and support the people that, are actually making a difference in Ukraine. At the same time, we realize we're on a mission and the more that we change our lanes, the worse it gets. The big thing that we got when we had the idea, which is no longer about multiple streams of income, we were getting ready actually a few years ago and we were gonna buy a, a couple of cannabis businesses. And as we really dug in deep, we realized that the money was gonna be made and the recreational side. And we didn't want to do that. And but the beautiful part of that exercise is that is that it just really gave us clarity on the impact that we've got. And so now we're just more intense and focused than ever. And so, and you hear our, our business coach knows it more than any of us. We're laser focused. All we're going to do is multifamily, and we're going to do that to create that impact and show people that you can do this through making a profit. So for ourselves, going back again, we just like to be the change that we want to be able to see, be the best person that we want to be able and can be the best humans that we can be. And we don't get too caught up in the noise. If we can't control it, we don't get caught up in it. There's always going to be things that are wrong, as Maddie says. And if you listen to it too much, we don't think it's healthy. We think it's much healthier just to forge forward, knowing that you can pivot along the way. Beautiful. Love that. Maddie, anything you would add to that? Yeah, I'd say that we learned to say no to more things. Um, our travel and the different things that we were involved with prior to COVID was so extensive and it made it difficult to focus. And so Patrick and I 
learned that we have to say no to more things and be able to focus on the things that are important, the things that we really want to move forward in our lives. Another thing I think is, like Patrick was saying about the family time and slowing down. And I mean, for me, I think, I mean, I used to work till 2.30 in the morning and I had stuff all the time. I was just go, go, go. And, you know, once I um, started seeing Patrick, I gained a lot more balance in my life. And I think COVID and different things that have happened in the world over the last few years have been a real eye-opener with that and how important that balance is to have in your life. And, you know, just to slow down and put your phone away, you know, and be, you know, there with people when you're, when you're with them. And so a lot of that, and, and just the pivoting too, I mean, with our business, especially with the management company, we were pivoting, you know, every few hours. And so it, it did, I think it relaxed me more because it was kind of like, okay, at first it's like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen here? But then realizing and recognizing that, you know, shit happens, you know, it's, it's going to happen. Getting all uptight and upset and stressed out by it isn't going to change anything. Just do the best you can. When you hit a wall, you turn and go a different direction. And, you know, so that's really become apparent over the last few years. Awesome. Question for you in through all of this in all your years, have you ever had what you would have considered a catastrophic failure? Have you ever had something big go wrong that you like you had to shut something down or it didn't work out? And and if you did, what got you back up again? And if you didn't, that's fine too. But I'm just curious. I know for me it was the Great Recession. And, and that was a, a shocker for me to be able to see that everything was going in. And I didn't have any any investor capitals, all my own money with everything. But it was really interesting for me to be able to see just how you couldn't get any loans and just business would stop. And certainly it was, the, you know, the worst recession that we had had. Yeah. But what, the, you know, what it was catastrophic for me being able to look at that and go, oh my goodness, my business model is just really slowing down right now. And so the nice thing about that is, is like I always say, the first half of the recession was hard on me. The second half, it was beautiful because it launched me. It really made me think about what I was doing. And that's when I moved into multifamily and I moved into the workforce housing. And and the reason I like workforce housing, it's this is how they make workforce housing. And it's that you build a building and in, well, you wait 40 to 50 years and you have workforce housing. It's not really something that they're really building. So it's a great space to be in because there's such a lack of it. Beautiful. Maddie, anything you'd add to that? Yeah, I would say um, in, I think it was 2009. So I was in commercial real estate. I did a lot of my deals on a handshake at that time, which actually helped me with my business because, you know, some of the people, I mean, there's only a handful of people that own downtown Calgary and Edmonton and whatnot. So they appreciated that and the trust that we had built up. So I did everything on a handshake and I had done two deals that I was supposed to be paid about $385,000 for. And then everything crashed and 
so the guys came to me and said that, you know, they're not going to be able to pay me this money. So, um, of course you're counting on it at that time. Right. So, um, so yeah, that, that took me down for about a week. I was like, what am I going to do now? You know? And then, you know, everything was crashing. So you, you weren't sure what direction you were going to go. And, you know, but that's, it was around the time shortly after that, when rain started advertising about this commercial real estate. So I thought, well, that's the perfect time to start going another direction and learning more while the market's down and you can't really buy anything right now because there's not a lot of investor money to be had. So yeah, it kind of turned me into a different direction, but it, it did teach me that when you fall, you fall forward, you know, it hurts, you bang your head, <laughs> you learn from it and you move on. Well, so the reason I asked the question is because I think without a doubt, you know, in, in all of the, you know, work we've done, you know, that I've done and, and the team has done, you know, literally with thousands of real estate investors over the years is that the most common challenge that people face in their world of moving forward is the fear of failure. And, you know, as you know, and, and I know is that you are going to fail, you are going to sometimes have a catastrophic failure. And ultimately, you're going to have lots of little failures along the way. And those little failures can be really expensive, you know, $375,000 or whatever the number was. But the point is, is that it doesn't stop you from continuing to move forward. It's like, okay, I've done that once, I'll do it again, I'll do it smarter, and, and maybe I'll even do it better. Hopefully, I'll do it better because I've learned my lesson along the way. And, and that's really important. Um, so thanks for sharing those, you know, with me, because it, it does, I think, give our listeners a perspective that if you find yourself stuck in this world as I'm just afraid of failure, you can almost count on it. Number one, you will fail. And secondly, you will pick yourself up and you will keep going and you will take what you've learned on that, on that failure, quote unquote, and just move it forward. That's kind of my synopsis of it. And I'm, I'm happy to hear your view of it, Maddie. Yeah. And exactly, Patrick, um, you know, my dad, when I was a young girl and all the years I grew up, my dad used to say, it's good to have a little bit of fear. It keeps you on your toes. Mm -hmm. So I always remembered that, you know, whether I was riding a snowmobile or making a business decision or whatever, that's what my dad always said. It's good. Cause I'd say, Oh dad, I'm too scared to do this or whatever. And he'd say, it's good to have a little bit of fear, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of learned from that, although sometimes the fear can be overwhelming, you know, then it's maybe not as good to have that much fear. And so I've kind of had to learn through the years to be able to push that fear aside a bit. And usually how I do that is I think to myself, <clears throat> what's the worst thing that's going to happen here? And usually when you, you think of it in that respect, you know, what is the worst thing that could happen? you can start to look at it and say, okay, well, that's survivable, you know? Um, and then just with experience, you learn that, um, you know, what doesn't kill you does make you stronger. And you, like you say, you learn from it and you, you move on. And most of the things that you think are going to happen, never, never ever happen and you never hear <laughs> And you know? never, and <laughs> never as bad as you pictured them anyways. So now this is another question that I want to ask you, and, and, and if I'm catching you off guard, that's fine in terms of how you decide to answer or not answer. If you, you know, we often talk about, you know, we can continually hear this success, 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 you know, and they're successful and that's successful. But, you know, that's always a judgment based on what, you know. Uh, and so if I was to ask you this question, and that is, how would you define success 
if money can't be part of the answer? I, you know, I know for me, it's being able to do what you love with the people that you love and you're making a difference with people. It, it, for us, it's, you know, all money aside. And again, it's what drives us. It's what's the impact that you can make. And to your point, we just love how you ask all these deep questions because mindset and philosophy and the way you look at the world is so much. So many people think that it's strategy. And we always say it, it's not strategy. Strategy is maybe 20, 25%, the 80% is what state are you in? Are you in your peak state? Are you in a positive mindset? Because when you're in a positive mindset and things are going well, your strategy tends to be a lot more successful. So it's all about what's the impact that you're making and are you doing what you love to do? Great answer. Love that answer. Maddie, anything you would add to that or a different version of that? Well, I do agree exactly the same things Patrick said, um, it, you know, and it's it's a lot about the relationships because I know plenty of people that have a lot of money but have a miserable relationship. And so so they in turn are miserable. So, you know, like you say, Patrick, if, if you couldn't use the word money, money is only a small piece of that. You know, it's it's what you do every day. And do you love doing what you do and with the people you're surrounding yourself with? I love that answer. So, you know, as we start to wind down here, because holy cow, this has been really a great conversation, by the way, really interesting. And I love where you guys are coming from. And it's it's great to have a couple on the show and kind of give a little bit different view of the world and and share it with us. So we are I'm still want to do that. My you know, I do a little bit of what we call rapid fire questions and have a little bit of fun with it as we wind things down. So we'll just, you know, we'll ping pong off a couple of things. And uh, Maddie, I'll, you know, ladies first. I'll ask you the question, you know, iPhone or Android? iPhone. Patrick, are you on that page too? You guys are like big Apple yeah, fans? Not, not always, but I am now. <laughs> okay. What is one job, Maddie, that you do, even though you hate it because you're good at it? Um, I would say overseeing accounting. Ah, That's not my favorite. Yeah, not my favorite even, thing. The, even the word makes me, my eyes glaze over. Patrick, <laughs> what about for you? I think it's emails. I'm much more of a face-to-face -face person, yeah. but I, I do it because I, I need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you uh, have a favorite inspirational quote, Maddie? Yeah, I'm, I'm big into quotes. Um, constantly sending the kids, texting the kids new quotes, and they're saying... <laughs> I'm like, do you ever read the quotes I send you? And they're like, you know, mom, when I'm having a bad day, every so often I'll pick up the phone and just see all the quotes that you sent me. So <laughs> I'm big into quotes. But I would say um, one that I've said for years is it's not about the house. It's about the people in the house. Um, uh, good one. I've not then, heard that one before. That's good. Oh, Very good. You? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually had it on the poster on the fridge all the years the kids grew up. And, um, and then I think it's not the size of the dog and the fight is mm. the size of the fight and the dog. Hundred really percent. like that one. That is a good one. Um, yeah. Patrick, how about you? You know, I've been, I've listened to this guy ET lately, like when I, I work out and things like that. And one of the quotes that he's been saying lately that I just love listening to, because he just screams it is he says, everybody wants to be a beast until it's time to do what beasts do. Yeah. Uh. 
<laughs> I, I like that. Yeah, isn't that the truth? You know, one of the things that, you know, Stephanie and I share is she's an Olympic coach, and we have often really observed, of course, is that we know what it takes to be an Olympian. And so she's, you know, worked with, you know, dozens of Olympic athletes who have podiumed and won golds and silvers and bronzes and failed and all the rest of it. And everybody wants that, but they don't want the journey to get to that. And mm. because they, you know, that's the daily grind of the commitment to say, that's the outcome I want. And often as business owners, it's a grind, you know, people may see the outcome and they may see, you know, Maddie and Patrick and the degree of success you've had with your real estate or whatever it might be, but they don't know, they, they want the outcome. They just don't have the preparation, which goes back to the quote, you know, in order to achieve what somebody like yourselves achieve, you got to put on your beast, your best beast every day to get through what it is that you do. I love that quote, by the way. It's fantastic. Yeah, it, is, it, it isn't pretty a lot of days. <laughs> no, it's sure not. It's yeah. sure not. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Favorite swear word. I think for me, probably shit. <laughs> Seem to oh, use that's, that word. That's pretty tame. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's again, it's the people I listen to. Mine's the F bomb. And yeah. it's not so much that I say it as much as like David Goggins. He's the Navy SEAL. He wrote that book, you know, Can't Hurt Me. Yeah. And I just love when he says, you know, you, you cannot lose the day by hitting your snooze button. And he says, don't you dare hit that snooze button, mother upper. You know, yeah, yeah. And he says, you're, you're going to win the day. And I just love that. That is very, very good. Now, is there a favorite book? I know you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, earlier on, Patrick, uh, but is there a book? I mean, that is such a, you know, that's kind of an iconic book. You know, it's a legendary kind of book. And, you know, Kiyosaki yeah. really did a great job. He hit it out of the park with that particular book, and he's written many. But any any books that stand out for you that were also impactful? You know, so for me, it was the book Mindset. Mm -hmm. To me, whenever anybody talks to me about any book, I will always say that is a foundational book to begin with. Read the yeah. book Mindset. All other books, in my opinion, can stem off of and be can become better by reading Mindset by Carol Dweck first. And yeah. I've given away dozens of copies. Yeah. Yeah, that it is, it's a great book. And Carol Dweck's a really interesting, uh, really, really interesting person and author for sure. Maddie? Well, I would say um, uh, the book called 5 a.m. Club by Robin Sharma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that one was awesome because it just, it, it really helped to, you know, there was different things I was doing in the morning at 5 a.m. Patrick and I are always up between pretty much 4.30 to 5.30. And, you know, it, it gave clarity you know, what you can do for self-care before you start your day in order to be able to help you through that day. So, yeah, yeah I love that book. Um, you know, Patrick's an avid reader. Patrick reads and reads and reads. Me, I'm my mind's all over the place, so... Um, so I've usually got three books on the go. So now, are you, are, just out of curiosity, are you reading books these days or are you audible books these days? Are you like reading? You're Pretty reading? much reading. We started doing a little bit of um, audible recently, but, um, but yeah, we do like to be able to write in our books and yeah. look back at it and whatnot as well. So. I like being able to read Kindle and I, because then I can take notes, copy, paste, do all those kinds of things. But I have become an Audible fan over the past three or four years. So I'm just curious where you're at with that. What we do is like we, we have our own books that we're reading, but as well, Patrick and I, and we're, you know, we don't do this every night, but we, we 
try to do this is we will choose a book that we read together. Mm -hmm. And then when we go to bed at night, sometimes we'll read that book together. And, um, you know, it might be a relationship book, might be a business book, just depends on what we choose to do together. So that's, I find that helpful for me with reading too, because it keeps me on track, you know? Yeah, we read offense. I'm always reading offense and defense simultaneously. One's about business. The other one's either about relationship or just whatever it is. You know, Mm -hmm. I always say it's good to have all of the other ones too. Yeah, you know, for years, Stephanie and I have, uh, you know, we'll sit up in bed on a Sunday morning or at certain times or even just sit back together. And l- literally, I like to read, so I will read to her. She reads to me, but I have a tendency. I don't, I, I'm not good at learning that way. So, but we we do, we consume a book every so often that way. I think it's healthy. It's fun. We always, always enjoy it. And then to share what our interpretation of that particular couple of pages are, right? So it's always very good. Okay. I got a couple more questions for you, and I think this is a good one. Room, desk, or your car? What do you clean first, Maddie? Your room, your desk, or your car? Uh, definitely my room. Patrick, you live in a clean, you got a clean room always because of Maddie, so what do you do? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's why. No, it's because of Maddie. So, so the room's clean and the car's clean, and the only thing I'm left in my own devices is my desk, and so it's messy. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> Okay, final question, and uh, thanks again for joining me. But Maddie, what are you grateful for today? So many things in life, um, especially that I get to work every day, you know, towards creating a social impact and changing people's lives. I get to do it with my husband, my best friend, my partner in life. Um, So I I really get to live life with him. Very grateful for our seven children. Um, Love them all dearly. Love it when we can spend time with them. And, uh, and, And also really grateful for being able to live in two of the most amazing countries in the world. So, you know, we, we love what we do and we're lucky for that and grateful for that. But we also get to enjoy two different countries all the time, which has been amazing beautiful patrick how about you yeah so for me same thing god it's our our friends our family it's our children it's being able to make an impact and and an influence um you know we've been like so many of our our listeners today we've been there where you're just striving to figure out how to help yourself move to the next level and it really feels good giving back at the same time beautiful Well, I am always grateful for my guests joining me on the show, the insights they share, the lessons they've learned on their journey. Maddie, great to reconnect with you. So uh, happy to be able to say that you've been a part of the RAIN community for a long time as well. And so good to hear that it had the impact on your life that it had. And uh, that's why we do what we do, is to have an impact. So uh, thanks very much for your time all the lessons that you've learned that you share here today and uh, really looking forward to working with you in the future, given that you're uh, doing what you're doing with raising capital and uh, building your portfolio. So thanks very much. And uh, we're going to be chatting again soon. Thank you so much, Patrick. We really appreciate it. This is really cool, Patrick. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others, share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener, 
If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.